Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 31 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that as part of our podcast coming to you daily from Russia through July 15th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Alexi Lawless of Fox Sports. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss from Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow, where you have been uh, going to press conferences today ahead of the final. How are you, man? Oh, it's been awesome. <laughs> um, were the press conferences as scintillating as I might expect? Um, they're never very quotable, but there, but there definitely was sort of a, an obvious theme that emerged from the contrast uh, between the two. Um, they were like four and a half hours apart, okay. which is just kind of tough because, you know, you, you, you go to the first one and then you sit there and you got, you know, not much to do in a media center other than like, <laughs> you know, listen to people speak really loudly and, and pick your nose. Um, but, uh, there, there's the definite difference between Croatia, um, you know, of, a, a very, we're going to enjoy this final Dalic, the, the manager, um, talking about, you know, we're, we're here to, you know, there's no pressure on us. We can't be more joyous and proud. Um, you know, the people in Croatia, uh, use the term, will create a seismic event, uh, in support for us. Um, you know, j- j- just, just very, um, powered by sort of their journey here, how unlikely it's been, how chaotic it's been. And, and, and they have nothing to lose. And I think there was a real subtext of him sort of saying, yeah, guess who the pressure's on? It ain't us, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you flip over to Hugo Lloris and, and, and Didier Deschamps a few hours later, and Lloris is talking about being in a bubble and, you know, focusing only on the game and, you know, lots of questions to Deschamps about losing in, in the Euro 2016 final and how do you turn it around? And, you know, Deschamps said the other day, you know, finals are, finals are there to win. Like, there's no other option. And so it's clear that both sides kind of know the narrative here. Um, you know, that Croatia it was not expected to be here. They've gone through just an insane amount of adversity to get here, both in the tournament and then, as we all know, the stories about what's gone on at the Federation, what's gone on with some of their players. Um, you know, uh, uh, Luka Modric flat out asked today how the war inspired him to, like, get this far. And it's not something he wanted to talk about, but it's clearly something that's in the backstory of a lot of these guys. Um, whereas France has been on a very obvious championship winning trajectory now for a long time in terms of player development, in terms of structure, in terms of the way Deschamps has built the team, in terms of the approach that they have. There's really only one possible outcome for them um, that'll be anywhere close to satisfying. Uh, whereas Croatia is just doesn't give a shit. They're just going to throw caution to the wind like they have the whole tournament. And, and you got that sense from both sides today. So that was the, that was the gist of it. One question I have is I, I didn't totally realize until maybe the last 12 hours or so that Ivan Perisic is a real injury concern for this game. Um, is he going to play? Did not come up at the presser. <laughs> Great. Nobody asked that question. No, because people are, people are asking about wars and how do you feel. And, and Deschamps was asked in like eight different ways. What did you learn from Euro 2016? And these are the questions that are asked. Uh, uh, no questions. I mean, uh, uh, Dalic said... Made, made sort of oblique reference to we're tired, we played a lot, you know, every, lots of guys have nagging injuries. And then, of course, said the same thing every coach says, which is, you know, we've got a wonderful bench, we've got a wonderful team, our players are mature, 
He said, I expect anyone who can't go to, to be honest about that and, and next man up. Um, but, but no individual players were, were discussed today. Obviously, though, I mean, like, I guess I would also say that even if someone did ask about Perisic's health, do we think we would have gotten a straight answer? And based on what we've seen during this tournament, the answer is no. Um, press conferences, I have not been to a single one this, this World Cup. I have not been to actually attended a single game. I, it turns out I will not be going to the final, which is slightly disappointing, uh, but not essential to the job that I've done here. And you will be there writing for Sports Illustrated. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, that's, an insane, that's an insane sentence to hear. What? Ah, I'll never get used to that. Um, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why I, I, I've always thought it's like, it's like playing in a way. I was always, as a player, I was always absolutely paranoid and terrified that I was going to like have one bad game and never play again. Like I'd get benched <laughs> and cut. And, and it's just, and obviously I brought that exact same mindset to my job. And maybe that's what makes me like a, a ball of nerves all the time. But it may also be why I'm covering my second World Cup final for SI, which is bonkers and stupid um so what was the insane part of what i said that you're working you're covering the world cup final for sports Illustrated? yeah i mean that's crazy this isn't even the first world cup final you cover for sports Illustrated. i know it's still crazy it's not any less crazy than it was four <laughs> years ago i hope i haven't like sent shivers down your spine i, like, I didn't intend to do that no i the stage fright is 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 internally generated <laughs> we do have a story to tell here about your wallet was lost today and now found you want to tell that story do you want to tell haven't, that story? Haven't, haven't we painted a picture over the past month of <laughs> just a flailing shit show and I shouldn't be allowed out of the house? But you got your wallet back. I did, but not through my own devices. Like, not because I deserved it. <laughs> but considering that you lost your credit card last week, I'm yes. not really, I'm laughing with you. Um, okay. And lost your wallet. Someone, someone from, some, I lost my wallet outside the stadium. And this is a massive, massive stadium. And to lose your wallet outside the stadium means it's gone. <laughs> and I got a call. I'd been sitting here for about an hour and a half trying to figure out, like trying to focus, right? Because you're upset and you're trying to figure out what was in there. And uh, I got a call on my phone from Switzerland. <laughs> I picked it up and it was this dude saying that they found my wallet and my driver's license was in there. So... You know, FIFA, someone at FIFA, someone turned it in and someone at FIFA tracked me down. And an hour later, I, I had my wallet back with all the money inside of it. And the most interesting part is the volunteers who sort of connected me to the lost and found, I made it, I said to them, like, oh my God, the money, the money's still in it. Like I would have been completely, un, I would have understood if someone had helped themselves to a finder's fee. And one of the uh, women who was a volunteer said, see, we're not a country of criminals. <laughs> I said, no, you're all, you're all lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then, you know, then of course, the ter- what did you think of Russia? Have you had fun? All that kind of stuff. And, right. and um, they asked me if I'd had borscht. And, and I have not because tomorrow night, after the World Cup final, space borscht. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the whole story. I'm sure that was riveting for everybody. Um, but I am I'm in the process of working on my uh, feature ahead of the final. I was chatting with Stephen Goff from the Washington Post earlier, and he said he's been to a lot of World Cups. He's 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 been to as many as you, or maybe one more. I think he covered ninety four. But anyway, he said this is always the hardest story to write. The hardest story of every World Cup to do is the story right in advance of the final because mm-hmm. you've already written about these teams so many times, right. and there's so there's there's not a lot new to say um, building up to it. Like it's, let's just let's just play the MFR, you know? Let's just do it. 
So, um, so I'm struggling through that. And uh, I watched uh, some of the third place game on TV. And, um, you know, we talked about that. And I, I think I, I made the point that if, if I was in a position, you know, in a, in a parallel universe, multiple times removed to play in a third place game, I'd want to play in it. I'd want to get out there one more time. I'd mm. want to end the tournament on high. I'd want, a, I'd want a bronze medal to, to, to take into the rest of my life. And, and both teams played a lot of starters and both teams went forward and the Belgian guys looked, um, you know, not, not, you know, they weren't popping champagne, but they had smiles on their faces uh, when they, when they were awarded those medals. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I watched the game. Um, I actually feel comfortable in saying that Belgium, I think has been the most entertaining team on a consistent, consistent basis to watch in world cup 2018. Um, I can make yeah. th- I can make that argument. I mean, like, I, I certainly yeah. don't know anyone else who might be in that realm. I don't think France is. Um, no, certainly not. I don't think Croatia is. And so, no, no, I think that's. I think that. Yeah. I mean, I there used didn't there used to be an award? Didn't the World Cup actually used to have a most entertaining team award? Didn't like the Koreans win it? No two or something like that. Really? I don't I even, think so. I don't even remember. Um, I think there was an award. I think, or maybe I'm hallucinating because it's day thirty four. But I think there was an award. But anyway, yes, I, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I can't think of anyone else. I you know. can't. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Um, and, and they were terrific today. Uh, you know, early goal from Mounier, who I, I think was missed in the semifinal yeah. against France, uh, was out on a yellow card suspension. Um, and then England had more of the ball in the second half, but then the Belgian counter will be one of my favorite things about this tournament as far as a memory. And they did it again. You know, they scored off a counter for the second goal. Uh, they had a, a couple other counters that were just a blast to watch. And Belgium just brought the entertainment here. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's how they want to play. That's something they take pride in. And there's Mr. Motorcycle Man going over the bridge one last time. How does time. he know when we record? You know what? I mean, obviously, obviously people are reading our texts back and forth about when, you know, I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe somebody hooked, maybe, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody hooks him up with that intel. Motorcycle Man. Um, we will invite him to have Space Borscht with us. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to, to seeing you in person. It's been a while. Uh, I'm trying to remember since the last time it was, actually. So did we have, did, forgive me, did you have Hazard on your 11? I forget. I did. You did, right? I yeah, did. Okay. Um, I was going to say, he's, he certainly would have cemented that today if there was any doubt, but you, you had him on. Okay. Yeah. Um, the toughest ones to leave off were probably Kevin De Bruyne and, um, uh, you know, even Lukaku, I think, had a very good tournament. I picked Kane by a hair. Um, it looks like Kane's going to win the golden boot. Yes, he had more penalty kick goals which, like set pieces, people tend to look down on. I get it, but they're still goals, and they still uh, are very pressure-packed, and he converted them. Yeah, absolutely. I also wonder if like, it's any coincidence that the two leading guys for Golden Boot came out of the same group stage with two other teams that weren't very good. <laughs> it's probably not a coincidence. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about it. For some reason, Lukaku's four goals were more than I thought he had because he's missed chances. He has, but he's but but he's also but at the same time he's also, as we've talked about a couple of times, he's also created chances for teammates and opened up space for oh, teammates. Yeah. And so you know you know you 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 weigh those against each other, and he still had a wonderful tournament. Right. Um, but 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 that also what your point about the the golden boot also just again reminds us how what a big deal the draw is, and 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 you know I'm writing now comparing France's route to the final, 
and Croatia's route to the final. And, you know, France has beaten three very, very good teams uh, to get this far. And, they, you know, as we've talked about, they haven't, they haven't been sexy. They haven't been scintillating. They haven't been dynamic. They haven't played apart from against Argentina, where everyone looked good against them um, and dangerous and free-flowing. Uh, but, but, but they've done the job and they really bent each game kind of to their will. They've played each, they, they've been the ones that have dictated the terms of both of all those. Games. Um, and, and, and they've run a gauntlet to get here. Whereas, are you getting arrested? Uh, it's not me. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Good. Because obviously, I mean, if people were going to bet on which one of us would get arrested, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's not. They would not even take the bets, right? That, that would that would that would be off the line. Whatever. I don't bet because I'm a terrible loser. I had a I had some friends in college. I went to college in Philadelphia, and I had a couple friends who they would like make the drive to Atlantic City like on a Friday night and play, you know, uh, low level blackjack at the Sands. Um, uh, and uh, I realized when I was in college that I had no temperament for gambling. Like I would lose one like $5 hand of blackjack and I'd want to, you know, turn the table over and blame the ref. Um, so I don't gamble. So I'm sorry for my, my lack of gambling. Uh, what's, uh, what's, you know, I don't, I don't know the terminology, but anyway, I lost my train of thought again. I was going to ask you if we had shared that your phone stopped working as well. Man, you've got to tell all my secrets, dude. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that one. <laughs> I got to keep them. I got to keep some of this. You're I'm like, myself. Your last 24 hours, <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, physically, your well-being is good. I, I, got, I, got, I got a day and a half to go here. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? A part of that day and a half, like two hours of that day and a half, or since it's Croatia, maybe three, uh, is going to be a World Cup final. Um, it's, also, it's also interesting. I mean, I'm spending time going back and forth um, as a Washingtonian and as a, as a lifelong soccer Washingtonian, some Washingtonian soccerer. It, it's it's bittersweet uh, that a new soccer in my hometown is opening tonight. Right. Um, they could not wait like three dates, you know, after 23, four years of whatever of waiting, they couldn't have given me three more days to get home and be there. Uh, but it's a great event for the city. And uh, I look forward to waking up in the morning. And um, I guess that's the case, period, right there. But and then um, and then. Checking out some of the scenes from the opening of Audi Field in D.C. That should be cool. Yeah, with Wayne Rooney playing, uh, or potentially playing. Hopefully, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's lots of uh, exciting stuff uh, to think about for after this tournament, but very focused on the World Cup final. And I'll mention here, this podcast does continue after the World Cup. We just don't come on every day. It's twice a week. But uh, God, thank God. <laughs> do you want to try doing it seven days a week, just all the time? I mean, I don't mind chatting with you, but I mean, sometimes I got to chat with you and not have a, not have it recorded for obvious reasons. <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, all right, so uh, Alexi Laws is going to come up next on the interview. I think we're going to oh, cool. call it a day here, and uh, we'll look forward to talking after the final. Thanks, Brian. One more time. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Alexi Lawless. Let's bring in our guest today. It is Alexi Lalas, who has appeared on our podcast very fleetingly <laughs> at times. 
uh, when he does a flyby. But you're actually our guest now. How are I you am. Doing? This is the first actual official capacity. You have, heard, you have yeah, like you said, I, at different points I've seen you in the uh, you know the crouched position off in the corner in the <laughs> darkness recording it with Brian, and uh, I have just kind of done flybys, kind of like an intern uh, on David Letterman or something, where I just show up every once in a while. So this is I'm so excited to be invited on. It sure took you guys long enough. It did. We wanted to save the best for last uh, year. Um, we are actually recording this during the third place game, so uh, it'll come out on the night of the after the third place game, the night before the final. Yes, France so and you, can, you can hear all all stuff going on in the background. We are on our red square set here on the stage here, so we got people that are visiting, we got people that are talking. So, but you guys have done it with motorcycles and every oh, yeah. other different thing. So your your listeners are are used to this kind of they cacophony. Are. So. There's lots to talk about in terms of the tournament, but let's talk really quickly about the final. Mm -hmm. uh, France-Croatia, your thoughts? Uh, I think France is a better team. Uh, I think that they are certainly more rested, although I think we're finding out that when it comes to Croatia, that means nothing. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Luka Modric, who can take over a game, and we saw him take over the game... Um, couples it where with not only is he just an incredibly skillful and attacking type of uh, maestro but he couples it with that that engine and that incredible engine and you look at the numbers it's just amazing how much he runs how often he runs and just a consistent uh, engine that fuels that incredible creativity it's it's a it's it's a hell of a of a one two punch when you have both the ability from a physical standpoint and the ability technically to do some things that others can't. So that's that's huge. I think uh, that whole left hand side that really came alive with Perisic uh, for yeah. for Croatia, I think, is going to be really interesting because you know keep in mind that against uh, against England they were playing against a back three that then they did a really good job of pushing them back and almost making it a back five, which we know when that happens. If you're playing in a back three, it's not really a back three anymore. So right. I, I think. France is better equipped to deal with that type of stuff. Um, I think defensively that France is better. And look, I could have just said N'Golo Kante. And I know you're a big fan. I've, I've, I, you know, I, I listen and read all of your stuff. And it's, it doesn't take a genius to look at this game and recognize how important he is. He makes any team that he plays on better. And you talk about, it's not just a work, work ethic. That's, that's all fine and well. But it's smart work. Right. And cutting out passing lanes. And just destroying stuff. But also at times destroying with uh, also an innate ability to keep possession in that moment. Instead it's one thing to get attack. to a ball. It's another thing to get to the ball and keep possession and start possession going the other way. So a lot of different things. I mean, you got you got Giroud who hasn't scored yet in this this phenomenon that we've seen in this World Cup. Um, I think it's shaping up to be a really interesting final. If I if it's my money, I'm putting it on France. If it's yours, I'm putting it on Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you agree or disagree with me here that if France were to win in the final? Mm -hmm and do so in a way that they have played throughout the knockout rounds, that Conte should be the player of the tournament? Yeah, he won't, but he should, okay. yes. I, you know, and, and this isn't you know, this elitist type of in-the-weeds uh, snobbery <laughs> where you, you say, oh, you, 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 you people, you don't understand, you can't understand how it, it's, it's nuanced, it's layered uh, type, of, type of take. Uh, he plays a position that's not sexy, that's, that is at times difficult on the surface to see how influential he is, but I think he plays it so well right. that even someone who's never watched soccer can look and recognize how important he is. And if nothing else for the way that he shows up consistently, the tackles that, that, that he makes, we've talked about his, his physical ability. So uh, I would love to see it happen. I don't think it's going to happen because we always know it's about the sexy goal scorers that uh, ultimately get that award. I think you're right, but I also saw Cannavaro one player of the tournament and even 
World Player of the Year yep. in 2006. Yep. What could he do? What did but he, he did do? It for, he did it for Italy too. Is he known for defending? It's just it it's, it, it it makes more sense uh, yeah. for an Italian defender to kind of because yeah because there's a there's a historic um, uh, recognition and value yeah. not just from from Italy but from people looking at Italy and and this France team is expansive. This France team has goals. This France team goes for. This France team has speed and so he's. He's, a, he's an anomaly almost to this France team, and yet we know he's so important in Golo Conte. Um, I want to ask you about your experience uh, doing stuff for Fox during mm-hmm. this tournament. It seemed like you were on TV for a tremendous <laughs> number of hours. Yes. How, how hard is that? It's not hard. I mean, you steal yourself. You've done World Cups, and yeah. so I, I've done these now so many times that I, I know what to expect. Yeah. And. You know, our, our, our fearless leader, David Neal, says it's a marathon and not a sprint. And he's absolutely right in that you have to look at your performance in totality. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of these grizzled veterans. Now they come to me and they ask me, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like? And because we've got a lot of young people around right. here. Uh, and I told them, look, uh, someone's going to get sick. Someone's going to get sent home. Someone's going to fall in love. Someone's going to break their <laughs> break your heart. Someone's going to make a mistake. Someone's going to uh, need somebody else's help. Somebody's going to get into trouble. Somebody's, you know, all these different things. Uh, and all of it, all, all of it happens. And that's, that's part of this incredible story of the World Cup. The on-air part, look, I, I live a charmed life. Uh, the, the fact that I get paid to do this, I recognize there are people listening right now that would give their left arm to be in the position that I'm in. So I'm never, ever going to complain about it. Is it, is it, is it work? Yeah, it's harder work than playing. I'll, I'll be honest. It's really? much harder work than playing. But it's, and, and, I, and I say this, and people sometimes don't believe me, it's more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, I also recognize that, that here at Fox, having worked for ESPN for a, a number of World Cups and had a blast, we do things in a different way. We are proud disruptors. And if you try to do your job, whether it's me or whether it's you, with an effort to please everybody, it's never going to happen. Uh, and you can't do that. And, and I would even submit that if you are pleasing everybody, you're probably not doing your job correctly <laughs> anyway. So uh, I recognize that there are people out there that it's not going to be their cup of tea, either the, the way that I perform, the way that we have performed collectively. But I remain incredibly proud uh, and will be for the rest of my days as to what we have done here. And all the men and women, most of which you will never, ever see or hear about, and uh, to, to put this on for the American public. And like I said, I know we've done some things differently, and I know... You, you rub some people the wrong way here and there, but we, we went into it knowing that we were going to do some things differently. I think we've, we've lived up to that. In terms of Russia, um, had you ever been here before this tournament? No. I'd never been to Russia okay. before. So I was like, you know, some other people that had never been before. Had you been before? No, it was my first time. So, you know, I mean, we grew up in the 70s and 80s. And so, like I said, I, I grew up with all of my context of Russia from pop culture and movies and Red Dawn and uh, Firefox, <laughs> you know, and these, these types of war games, these, these types of things. And inevitably you get to a place and you compare and contrast and oftentimes you, you dispel a lot of preconceived notions that you have. And that's, that's been the way it was for me. Not that I came here thinking that there was going to be, you know, bread lines and, and, and stuff like that. But you grow up, and you know we have a vision of what they are. And we, we, I was talking about Russia growing up, and we're still talking about Russia. So it's been wonderful. The people here have been great. Uh, I got to St. Petersburg, uh, which was kind of cool because I had uh, just been based here in, right. in Moscow, living this incredible existence, this Groundhog Day existence, best Groundhog Day ever. I'm not complaining once again, um, but it was nice to get out and kind of see someplace else. When you look back at this tournament, 
years from now, what are the specific things that are, you're going to remember from a soccer perspective? Okay. I mean, I know I talk about set pieces a lot. Uh, there's no way I could have predicted that that would be not just the story, but the main story that set pieces is now in the consciousness of, of people. Um, and it, it just continued to play out game after game after game. So that's one of the things that stood out. You know, coming into this, we thought VAR was going to be a big story. It has been a big story, but but in a different way. We thought there were going to be problems and right. everyone's going to be irritated. It wasn't going to go off. I mean, I, I, right now I'm giving it an A minus. Sure. Okay? Just because give them a little work. You know, you got to yeah. tweak some things. And but. It, I think it's made the game better. I think it's modified behavior when it comes to the way that players are acting, and maybe that's reflective in the in the, the fact that we have yet to have a straight red card for a violent type right. of offense. Um, so, and I think it's provided us a, a new moment of drama and that reveal when when the VAR decision is made. So, you know, those are really interesting things. And then, it, it you know the. the the defending champion went out in the group stage. Uh, Argentina bombed out, uh, and ultimately we got a team like Croatia in the final. And so this, and the surprise of, of Russia, which was fun to see, obviously being in the midst of Moscow and in Russia to see the way that this country gravitated to their team. Because when they first started, there, there were really low expectations, oh, yeah. as you know. And the team—that's what a World Cup does sometimes. Um, have to ask you about the U.S. team. Mm -hmm. Once this tournament is over, I think it will be easier to maybe look ahead over the next four years to the U.S. men hiring a coach mm -hmm. and uh, really focusing on the future. Um, what are your thoughts on that right now? Well, I've always said that uh, I don't think that the system is broken. Does it yeah. need to be tweaked? Are there challenges and are there problems and are there mistakes that have been made? Uh, absolutely. But uh, to throw the baby out with the bathwater, I think, would be uh, premature and I think, uh, and I think wrong. Uh, I think it's taken too long to get to this point. Uh, we have basically, I'm going to say wasted. Maybe it's a little strong to say wasted, but it's been a year. <laughs> basically by the time we get everything in order and it, it shouldn't take that long and I recognize that maybe they're waiting for some op options and good options to come available I, I understand that but I just think in a, in a situation a national team where you get so little time with the team and uh, it's so little time in general to formulate something you can't waste any of it and I feel like we've wasted time that while we didn't want it we were gifted. It was that proverbial silver line. My feeling is is that I had no problem waiting for, to hire a national team coach on the men's side until after the World Cup if it meant you were going to hire a coach who was involved in the World right. Cup. But I don't think there's a guarantee that that's going to be the case. No, I don't, I don't think so. And, and the other thing is, and what, as it relates to the World Cup here, is we came into this tournament talking about Iceland, which I know you did some incredible work documenting not just the team, but how that team has influenced the culture. Well done on that. Um, but now we're talking about Croatia, we're talking about Uruguay and these small countries. And, and it is a bit of a, a, you know, a false equivalence. I'm actually about to do a, a piece here because uh, mm -hmm. I record the State of the Union from, from my podcast. I record it here on set. I'm about to do a thing where uh, I, I know a lot of people you know, are angry at the fact that U.S. isn't there. And then they see these small countries. And uh, you know, even in your piece, at the pieces, uh, you recognize that there actually can be some benefits. The virtues of smallness. Ex exactly. And so if you want to do, uh, use that as a template, you know, a, a, an Iceland or something that, or, or Uruguay or, or Croatia, then fine. You want that? Then we go build the national team from Southern California or from the New York metropolitan area or from North Dakota or something like that. But you know what? That's not what we're about. That's not what America, America is. And so I think... 
while we can learn some things from a lot of other people and the way that they do it, it's, it, it is the, that apples and oranges type of thing. I think the answers are going to come from within. We are going to have to solve this problem because the United States, as you know, from a soccer perspective and just from a, a cultural perspective, is as unique as it gets out there. I keep waiting for someone to actually write a column saying that the U.S. should follow the Croatia template of chaos, firing <laughs> coaches all the time, and not really having a plan. Well, I mean, Corruption. Exactly. I mean, and this is the... It's not a dirty little secret. I think people recognize that the... The beauty of this game that we love is that while we try and we hold ourselves up as experts and stuff like that, a lot of it can't be explained. And I'm I'm not fatalistic about the thing, but, you know, the best laid plans are all fine and well, but sometimes the soccer gods hits off a guy's knee or it bounces up someplace. And it's not as if you coached that. It's not as if that was a tactical nuance to the game or anything like that. It just happened. And I'm not saying that that tactics don't play a part and aren't important and coaching isn't an important part. But in this game, part of it is it just things happen. And this World Cup may be more so than any. For me, the symbol is Harry Kane's goal where the ball just went off his foot. Exactly. He got credit for it. And he's, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this while we're watching England versus Belgium, and he's going for the uh, golden boot. By the way, uh, and, and you know my feeling on penalties. They should be a separate category and, and, right. and a separate column right now because I, I don't value them as much as, as other goals. Uh, and, and, you know, here's a guy that not only scored a bunch of penalties but also scored one off of his heel, <laughs> and he has the potential to win the golden boot. But you know what? They all count the same. Alexi Lalas, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And uh, just, just let me say that uh, I know that you've been burning at both ends. Uh, I've seen it visually, and I know because I, I listen to the pod, and, and you do some incredible work, and you are an asset not only to us at Fox, but obviously to Sports Illustrated and to, you know, to the soccer world in general. And I know we all take hits and we all take criticism here or there, but uh, you are a true believer, uh, and you're believing in something that is helping the sport, uh, and you're a pretty incredible person when it comes to the sport of soccer. So keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Alexi Lalas, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.